Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land that this podcast is being recorded on, the Wajak people of Perth region. We recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and community and pay our respects to them and their cultures and to elders both past and present. My name is Dale Kerrigan and this is my story. You're terrible, Muriel. You've done some bad things, sweetie. You don't like the yabba? La la la! This is flash, mate. <laughs> this is swank. <laughs> Who says crime doesn't pay? These days of the internet, too many bozos give their opinions and they're so unqualified and they wouldn't have a clue and they, they should just pull their heads in. G'day and welcome to AB Film Review, the most isolated film review podcast in the world. My name is Andrew and I'm flying solo for this episode as I sit down to interview the directors of The Endless, the new film from The Minds Behind Spring, which is a fantastic little uh, horror slash romance film that really kind of made the rounds back in 2016 and if you haven't seen it i believe it's out of most streaming services in some regard uh, amazon or at least to rent and i highly recommend seeking out spring because it's a fantastic film the endless is even better it's a really great little low budget science fiction drama horror film that is kind of one of those films that is hard to actually put into a a box and and classify but i thoroughly enjoyed it i found it a fantastic film that that was really really engaging and really interesting and i knew very little about the endless going into it and that's probably the best way to experience this film Uh, All you really need to know is it's about two brothers who are going to visit a cult that they escaped from many, many years ago. That's really about it. And the twists and turns start very, very quickly, and it's really, really very interesting. And hats off to the directors, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, for creating such an engaging science fiction story on such a low budget, which is really brilliant to see. And hats off to them as well for doing uh, multi-handed duties as well. We've got Justin Benson also wrote the script, and both Justin and Aaron act in it too. And cinematography is handled by them as well. So really this is, uh, you know, hands on all deck uh, by these two guys, and they do a superb job. It is currently out in Australian cinemas, and I highly recommend going along to go and see it, especially on the reflection that we missed out on getting a theatrical run for a film like Annihilation, which was very sad that we missed out on a theatrical run for that because it was a really brilliant film. And, you know, really, we should have gotten a theatrical run for it, and we need to support these kinds of uh, low-budget independent films, especially the genre films like science fiction and horror. And... Look, The Endless is brilliant. It'll be uh, certainly on our end of year list uh, when it comes up to the end of 2018. And we're only in March. So, yes, I am jumping the gun a little bit. But it is one of those really great films. Uh, So please head along and seek it out. Uh, But really, that's enough from me. We're going to listen to the trailer and we'll be back with the interview with the directors of The Endless, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. There is something bigger than us out here. We have many traditions here at Camp Arcadia. None more prominent than the struggle. We have the struggle 
with passion. In your own words, what is it? Struggle with growth. I don't have answers. None of us do. How is that possible? Struggle with a higher power. You want to know what it is that runs all this? You go find it. If you let it have you, it'll snatch you right out of your shoes. <laughs> I want to go back. That place is not what you think it is. She lied to you. We couldn't be happier. I saw some of things last night. There's something out here, isn't there? Happier. Yeah, there is. Happier. Happier. Who's next? Um, what time is it for you guys over there? It must be late or very early or a bit of both. Six o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Six o'clock at night. All right, okay. That's that's not yeah. too bad. That's okay. I was afraid because I like your office. I've done some interviews um, with the people in America and stuff like that or Canada and uh, you know, often, obviously I'm on the other side of the world in Perth, uh, Western Australia. So it's 9am for me. So, uh, it's always a bit, you know, hairy sometimes, but, uh, it's good. Thanks for, uh, sticking around and, and, uh, doing this because, um, your film is fantastic. It's really good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Tell, tell everyone. I, I will. I will. <laughs> yeah. Cause we're, we're very fortunate in the sense that, um, because spring had festival releases here in Australia and then the endless is actually getting a theatrical release. It's a short theatrical release, but it's a theatrical release nonetheless. So it's more than just one or two sessions, which is great to see because, you know, I was a huge fan of spring. I thought it was a brilliant film and I really enjoyed it in a festival environment, but I'm looking more forward to seeing the endless in a uh, cinema environment with just, you know, people who don't go to a festival, because um, that's that's something a little bit different, I think. Um, so I want to kind of jump off with a, a question about your films tend to play at festivals mostly, and I'm just curious about how that works for you as filmmakers and, and what kind of audiences you guys are usually interacting with. Yeah, all of our films, have uh, they, they start their lives, well, besides, you know, after we make them, they always start it you know, some kind of a hopeful, well, the last three films at least have started a, a top tier film festival. And, um, we often travel with the film in order to support it. And also it's wonderful life experience and you get to meet people who, who share, uh, your same love of that kind of a film. And there's a bunch of things that that does. One is this is a tiny film and it doesn't ever have a massive marketing budget. Um, film festivals are a, a publicity machine. And so that's, it's, I know that sounds way too pragmatic, but there is a, a very, very practical reason for, for film festivals besides that they're fun to go to. Um, they get the word out about your film without having to put billboards up, you know, without having to pay for TV time and stuff like that. People start talking about it and our movies often do really well um, as a word of mouth event. Mm -hmm. So you can have a long build up to it. You can have, 
you know, many months uh, of actually, I guess, almost a year at this point um, of film festival runs so that people can talk about it and discover it slowly rather than having to try to like smash all of your marketing into the two weeks before a theatrical release. There's a, there's this also this, this interesting phenomenon of, um, of that, uh, you know, oftentimes with a movie, even, even if it's a movie that, uh, that, that premieres at sort of a bigger film festival, like it's, that gets press. Usually these films have at least a North American distributor in place Mm -hmm. when they're made or, or at least before they premiered at the film festival at some point. So, you know, the, the gears have gotten, have started to move on. What does the poster look like? And what's the trailer like? And what's the marketing campaign like? How are we going to release it? Uh, we've done three movies now and all three movies have never had a distributor until they premiered. Right. But now, you know, now, now there's a few people that follow our career. So to some people, they're just like, your movies take forever to come out. It's just because from the day, you know, from that first week they premiered a film festival, that's, that is when, you know, you start the strategy of release working with a distributor. We've been lucky enough that every time we've, gotten a distributor at, at our premiere, but, um, but it is an interesting phenomenon. And I, I think that, uh, that, uh, our career trajectory has been sort of unique in that way. And that usually by your third movie, you're not, you know, going and premiering at a film festival, not having any distributors in place. Um, but, uh, it's exciting. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, it, it kind of leads into the fact that you guys are really, you are very unique in the sense that you're making uh, genre films. And, and I hate kind of using the word genre because, you know, your films are science fiction and they're fantastic science fiction slash horror films in a lot of ways. And, you know, I think that we don't see the, the kind of uh, respect and level of, uh, for the actual genre itself. Uh, delivered like you with your films like Spring I, I unfortunately haven't seen your first film but you know if I'm going on the, the quality of Spring and The Endless then it will be fantastic I'm sure of it um, but I, I'm really impressed about how much you actually get out of a very very small budget you know making your film look more than a million bucks is just stunning so how do you do it and especially on this film where you guys are literally uh, you know when when I watched it uh, I didn't. I hadn't seen your photos before, so I watched the film. I'm like, oh, these two central guys are really good. Then I get to the end and the credits, and <laughs> I'm like, awesome. holy shit! They directed it and wrote it, and you know, did cinematography and all this other stuff. So I was just in awe. So how on earth do you actually do that on such a minute budget and and make it look so darn good? Um, the the base answer of that is just that we started with. DIY stuff 10 years before we even met. And uh, so we, we already had a, two decades of making films just hand over fist for um, before we'd even started working together. And now that we've been able to do it professionally for the last seven years, uh, then, you know, now it's, it's become uh, a part of the form in a way. Um, the Endless specifically, of course, is is uh, it's a lower budget film than Spring by a long shot, and um, and nobody really even knows that. But um, what we did was we were waiting on these big budget projects, which are still going to happen. It's just they take a lot longer because it's Hollywood and 
that happens. Mm. And we realized we were just not making movies anymore. We were just taking meetings and we're like, why don't we just go make a movie like we did with resolution and kind of like we did in the spring and we'll just, you know, scrap some money together and, uh, and we'll even be in it. So we just know we can make this movie because th- th- that's already one of the puzzle pieces fixed, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so we quite literally wrote down a list of, of all of our resources, everything that we're good at, you know, like I can tie knots, you know, he's a good swimmer, you know, like these things happen in the movie. And so this list has on it, you know, the fact that I'm able to tie knots and he's able to swim. Um, I got my start as a visual effects compositor. So I kind of wrote down a list of all of the composites that I'm particularly good at. We wrote down all of the locations we could get for cheap or free, like, like the, um, the camp, uh, and the lake and, and, uh, the cabin that burns, and that's a spoiler if you don't want to include that. And um, and so we kind of put all of that on the wall and then also thought of ideas of what scares us and what, what actually scares us. And we're like, well, monsters aren't that scary because they're not real, you know. But uh, but there were some conceptual terrors that, that entered our minds. And then, uh, and then basically with all of that splattered at the wall, Justin took it and ran with it and, and made the story of The Endless. So, Justin, when you wrote this as well, what kind of research did you do for it? Because it's a really quite a, a large kind of complex film that, that involves a lot of different things in it. And, you know, it starts off as this kind of exploration into a UFO, UFO cult and then it moves into a whole bunch of different areas, which I was, every time something new happened, I was, yeah, stunned. Um, so how did you actually go about researching and writing this particular script? <laughs> Uh, it, I didn't do, I didn't, for example, I didn't really research cults that much in terms of like, I didn't do like a deep dive or go join one to see what it was like or anything (laughs) like that. But, um, but both Aaron and I, like most people have just seen so many documentaries about cults and it's so easy to get fascinated and things like that and go through phases where you're looking up stuff about like Heaven's Gate or. Waco or Jonestown, whatever it is. And, uh, and then also, you know, seen lots of, I've seen enough cult mo- movies to know like what the tropes are. Uh, and then we would just talk about what those tropes are and, and try just to flip them on their head and do something different and, and, uh, and use the tropes of cults or these things that are commonly found in cults to give the audience, um, the unexpected. Uh, some like maybe like more unexpected research was that the relationship between the brothers, the research I did for that was um, I grew up with a couple of guys who were brothers close in age and it was, it was somewhat based off their dynamic, but also just other siblings that I've known um, in terms of the emotions of their relationship and and how uh, they love each other so much, but they very rarely express that, but when you see them in a situation that is uh, um, that brings it out, you see how much love there is between between mm. those two people. So I'm curious as well because your films are, you know, they are about relationships in 
interesting in different situations than we usually see. You know, they're not your uh, Hugh Grant kind of rom-com relationship story, um, but they do have a little bit of humour in them as well in, in some ways too. I really like the, the nods to uh, let's get a little bit culty kind of thing. Like you, you just address it right there and then, and it, it's fantastic. Um, but I'm curious about what, what draws you to relationships between people, whether it's brothers or a romantic relationship or friends. Uh, so I guess you you probably it, in that description you're you're describing the relationships of all of our movies mm. and I think in a TV show you have the time to explore more than one relationship um, the, and, and say something about it in a movie you you really only have ninety minutes still isn't enough time to excavate what a relationship really means but it's barely enough time. And uh, that's kind of what draws us to the form. I, I had never seen a Richard Linklater movie before I, before we made Spring. Right. We already shot it, and I saw the trilogy for the first time. And, um, and I realized, because that, that movie is an anti-movie, right? It's all about, it, there's no plot. It's, it, the plot is the relationship, and that's it. Um, and that's probably one of the most beloved and the most interesting stories about all time, of all time. Because it's uh, not just relatable. That's not the word. It's um, um, well, it is relatable in some ways. Like it, in a lot of ways, yes, it totally is. I'm just not. Yeah. I, I feel like saying that a relationship is relatable is is a total a tautological <laughs> statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what what I'm trying to say is, um, uh, um, it's more just. Desirable than sure. plot, you know what I mean? It's if it, there's a there's a good reason that there's plot heavy movies that are fun to watch, like Taken, and they just don't mean anything to us after we finish watching them, like Before Sunrise, mm-hmm. and that's I think why we always just have chosen to make a central, probably two person, but in TV will expand out to more. Probably a two person relationship is about as far as you can have meaning in a relationship and say something about the human experience that hasn't been said before in a movie. So on top of that, what, what draws me to your work is that, you know, coming back to the fact that this is genre work and in some ways, but honestly, if you sat somebody down and, and, you know, put on spring and didn't tell them what it was about, or if you sat them down and said, you know, watch the endless, it's just about, uh, you know, the story about two brothers connecting. I think that, you know, for the first half hour or so that, they they would get that kind of story, and then you creep in these these other elements. So, is does that come first for you? The 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 other kind of uh, you know Lovecraftian elements, the otherworldly elements, or does the relationship part come first, and then that kind of falls in later on? I think uh, it it has in terms of the the conception of the project whether it was the character dynamic or the sort of high concept sci-fi aspect of it, uh, it's, it's even hard to remember which one exactly comes first because they almost come simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Springs a really good example where it's like, I do know, I do remember that the conception of the movie was what if a woman could metabolize her own embryonic stem cells? I know that that was literally like the first idea but then, obviously, to execute that idea, you need two people to make love, and then you're in a love story. So it's, you know, that's all. this is happening in, in literally 
that concept's happening in 30 seconds and the sci-fi part came just slightly before the relationship. Um, I guess with The Endless, we were thinking, let's be in a movie. And we knew we wanted to revisit this cult member thing that, that has a small tie in the resolution. By the way, you're going to love resolution. We're going to send you a link to this if that's okay. Fantastic. I'd love um, to, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we're like, okay, well, it's it, we're going to play two brothers because I can't be your dad or your son. Or, you know, uh, we've already done a love story. So, um, and we've already done a friendship story. And, uh, and then the cult member thing immediately tied right into the sci-fi ideas of authoritarianism and anti-conformity and all of that. Okay. Yeah, so- the, the endless... The Endless, probably more so than our other films, probably started with theme more than our other films. Where it was the theme of like, oh, we want to explore uh, anti-conformity and rebellion and these things. And we had been, we had several projects that didn't quite take off that we realized that those that was kind of the common thread going through all of them. So we obviously needed to tell a story about that. And what draws you to that kind of, uh, that Lovecraft stuff? Because there is that, you know, the, the obviously... You know, he is such a huge figure in fantasy and science fiction that, you know, I think a lot more people would say they are familiar with his work than than probably actually are. So is there, a, you know, a feeling for you guys that you, by referencing him or, or making work that kind of works in his wheelhouse, uh, that you're modernizing his work in some ways without actually adapting it? Not really. I, I... Another shameful thing like the uh, Linklater one is I didn't know who Lovecraft was. Neither, neither of us did when we made Spring. And uh, and people called Spring Lovecraftian. In some ways it is, but most of the time people just think Lovecraftian is tentacles. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, the, but, but they are still correct. There is still kind of like odd forces of nature at work, you know, in Spring. And uh, way more so in The Endless uh, after we were aware of him. And it wasn't... We're, we've only still read a few of his his works. Um, we would have probably made the endless had we not read any of his works. We just we just wanted to face it head on with that quote in the beginning because it was so perfect. Mm. So he's he's obviously a master. We all stand on his shoulders. Everybody that we read growing up read Lovecraft. We just didn't happen to directly read Lovecraft. We read Stephen King and Alan Moore and all that. You know. um, but that said. Uh, there's no, there's no, none of his works that we deliberately meant to take from. Um, it just feels a little bit more like a color out of space, um, or something like that. And, um, we think that if he were alive and if, if, uh, if he were widely considered to be a, 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 a not a racist, we'd like hang out. So <laughs> yeah, that, that small problematic I, element there. Yeah. But <laughs> nonetheless, <laughs> Another another kind, just kind of interesting thing about uh, wh- where the Lovecraft comparisons sort of come from is that uh, if if the reason people are saying it's Lovecraftian, and I think this is one of the reasons. I don't I don't think it's yes, Tentacles is one of them, but I think something that's in all three of our movies is uh, is um, something otherworldly that is almost too old to comprehend. That it, it predates, for example, uh, mainstream religions of our own time, uh, and I think like that instinct to do that in storytelling comes from um, comes from being raised sort of like atheist slash agnostic. So when I'm writing and I'm trying to write about the otherworldly, I can't. 
You know, I, I would probably, if vampires didn't exist, I probably wouldn't be the one that invented them holding up a crucifix to ward them off. My brain would go, well, well, how'd you ward them off, you know, before Christ and everything? You yeah. know, like, so I, I think that when I'm dealing with the other world, the oftentimes uh, it, it'll be, you know, some sort of mythology that is, uh, that is uh, much older than um, the mythologies that most of us know about in everyday life. And I, and I think that 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 is a Lovecraftian thing. I think, and I think that's what people are are feeling in the movies. There's yeah, this yeah. weird there's there's this weird thing that we talk about it kind of often about just our I, we have no we have no beliefs in the supernatural, but we have lots of hopes. We have lots and lots of hopes that there's something else out there besides meat and bone and rocks. Um, and I feel like if my house got haunted, I would be ecstatic. Yeah, I'd be happy. so. I'd just be like, "Tell me what is <laughs> right on the wall, right in blood on my walls? What's going on outside of the world? Like you've just got to like slam the doors three times if you if if like if heaven's real, you know? Like just I, I and and I think about you know like if I'm like seventy years old, I, I we should make a haunted house movie with old people. Who are just ready to go and are just like, all right, you want to fuck with me? I'll sh- I'll, I'll get my gun. Like, what are you gonna do? You know, <laughs> like, and and or that they just explain the meaning of the mysteries of the universe to them. Yeah, there's there's so many uh, possibilities and stuff like that, and and I'm really glad that there's kind of a resurgence in uh, respecting uh, horror and science fiction nowadays. And you know, obviously, Shape of Water won Best Picture, which is still pretty amazing, uh, but. I think, you know, I, I wonder for filmmakers like yourselves, is there a bit of freedom with having a, a low budget in the sense that you're able to push these kinds of stories and, and write these ideas? Because um, I can imagine, uh, you know, having some, like, a lot more money and people will be saying, are you sure you actually want to do this scene or you want to do that? Or, you know, will people actually understand what's going on? Even though it's you know, your films are absolutely very easy to understand, even though often, like, throughout the Endless, I was sitting there going, okay, I've got no idea what's going on, but I tell you what, I I actually feel like I know what's going on, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, does a lower oh, budget... Cool. Sorry, what was that? That's that's really cool that you had that, that, that feeling. Yeah. I, I Sometimes our, our, our movies are called uh, Lynchian, which is a huge compliment, but... Um, Lynch is another one. Another one I had seen a whole bunch of David Lynch when our style kind of the, like our first movie. Another one I had seen David Lynch movies. It was compared to Lynch, so we weren't. Uh, uh, it, it's impossible that we we're ripping him off, um, <laughs> but it's really neat when I when I think about watching David Lynch movies. It's what you just said, where it's like, oh, I'm not always sure what's happening, but I can feel it, yeah. and uh, it's very effective, you know. Well, you know that you're in assured hands that, okay, sure, we've still got half an hour to go, and I assume that some crazy shit is going to go down, but I'm going to get there safely in the end, and that's exactly what happens with The Endless. Like, you, the ending of this is fantastic, and it leaves you with a bunch of questions, which are really, you know, you sit there and you're going, all right, I'm excited to review this and, and rewatch it just to get an idea of of what exactly has gone on and, and come up with a whole bunch of theories, which is a fantastic thing for these kinds of films. Um, but yeah, coming back to uh, like a reduced budget, does that give you freedom as, as creators and directors? It, it's 
I'll, I'll just, I'll start to say like just briefly that it's interesting because, um, you know, we, we've been given, we've had more opportunities to do bigger projects now. And, and we've worked on those projects a lot with like a lot of other people and it's very rewarding and, um, no complaints about it, but looking back on the three movies we made independently, it's so much easier. It's way easier. It's so much easier. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. The, uh, the, I, I would say the endless was definite. It was very hard to make, but it was the easiest of the three because we were able to find real financing. And it was, I mean, it's still a very small budget, but it wasn't his bank account or like our family or whatever, you know? And so that, that pressure goes away. And, um, uh, and so, but, but that said, man, the decisions we were able to make unilaterally, well, I guess there's two of us, I mean, was, was so uh, freeing. Look, I like to think that we can play ball and collaborate and make much bigger things. And we like to think that uh, no one you know, takes a village. Uh, that said, it's also a really easy way to make something bland and boring. And you just have to, to be a good leader, I hope, in order to do that. Yeah. Oh, and select the right people to do it with. Yeah, that's that's it. And with that in mind as well, how did you workshop this too? Because you've got a lot, you know, it's a larger cast than you had for Spring. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, complex different characters and stuff like that. So, yeah, what did you do for workshopping and and getting prepared for the, getting the cast prepared for this this kind of story? Yeah. um, uh, Aaron and I did... um, six weeks to two months of rehearsal. We worked, we would, him and I would actually, the room we're in right now, <laughs> we, we've done the whole movie in this room. This right. is my, 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 my one bedroom apartment. And uh, if you look at this wall right here, that wall was a car. We were mind pushing and my neighbor almost called the police because we were acting out the final scene of the movie and yelling and screaming and stomping. Um, but the, uh, but when him and I felt like we were in a really solid place with our stuff, um, then we started working with the whole other cast and everyone had a really elaborate backstory and we were really lucky that again, we got to work with every performer a lot of time for way before we came to set and just work with them one-on-one on scene work and, and, um, and talking to them about, you know, these elaborate histories for each one of these characters, because, you know, this movie would be a thousand hours long if we actually did go into the backstory of all of these characters but you can oftentimes tell in like a three second close up of them that there is, you know, that river runs deep. Is that an expression? It does. Okay, that river runs deep. <laughs> no, but you can tell oftentimes, you know, that they're, they're all great actors and, and we got a lot of time with them. And, uh, and you know, not only rehearsal, but also um, giving them these like huge histories that don't even appear in the movie, but hopefully people feel it when they see them and the way they interact with people. Well, I, I definitely felt it and, and it helps inform who they are as characters. So you, you've done a, a really top job. It's a, it's a fantastic film. And certainly uh, in Australia, at least I'll be pushing uh, for everybody to head along and go and see it. Cause it's a great film and certainly one that I think will look like I'm lucky. I've got a big screen at home, a 70 inch screen at home. So it looked fantastic on that, but uh, you know, <laughs> going to see it in a, a cinema will be even better. So I'm looking forward to seeing it next week in a in a cinema. It's going to be really, really brilliant. Oh, yeah, that's so that's so cool that you're going to see it again. Thank you. Yeah. By the way, if you don't know anything 
I'm, I'm just going to like reinforce what Aaron said. If you don't know anything about our first movie resolution, you should watch it right now. You, you're going to put that on and your mind's going to be, your mind's going to be blown. And I'm not saying that because it's like, Oh, we're so brilliant. There's a specific reason why you're going to, you're, you're going to feel like someone spiked your water with a hallucinogen. <laughs> don't, don't look up trailers. Don't look, don't look up anything about anything. it. Just, just click the link that we're going to send you. I, I'll do exactly that. I'll do exactly that. Cause all I knew about the endless before going into it was this, uh, really, really, uh, great poster that, uh, one of the guys in Australia made and I'd seen the U S poster, but the Australian oh. poster was also really good too. And so I saw that and I was yeah. like, okay, I've got no idea what this is, but you know, I fully trust these guys, so I'm going all on board. And yeah, it was brilliant. It was great. And there were a few times where I had to pause it and go, "What the what? <laughs> what happened?" Great, you know. That's but so, so... it's good filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. That's um, so cool. I, and that's that's really cool that uh, that the Australian poster is also so singular and so like, you know, sometimes when you make key art, you have to sort of default to. Um, to uh, something that, like you know, a consumer can look at and they immediately know what it is. They know that's a whole, that's the, that's one of those horror films. Um, but it's so cool that the Australian poster doesn't do that. That it's like, what? What is that? It's just a very interesting image. You never, yeah. Yeah, it gets you intrigued. It's not you know a, a picture of the woods or something like that. And it's like okay, uh, another one of those kinds of films. Um, so look. Right. We'll wrap up uh, here because uh, you know it's it's been a fantastic conversation and really enjoyed uh, you know just talking about your films and and what goes into making them. Uh, usually, when I interview people, I, I tend to do Australian interviews uh, focusing on Australian cinema. Um, so don't worry, I won't ask you a, film, a question about Australian cinema. But usually, I end with asking people about a film that they recommend people see that that maybe hasn't been seen much before. So, uh, from your neck of the woods, is there a particular film that you enjoy or love that you wish more people would see? Throwing you guys on the spot here—it's uh, always throwing people on the spot when I ask. Just in general, just in general, doesn't have to be you know same genre or anything like that. Just one that you you particularly enjoy. The, the two the two movies I, I always go to are among the top two that I always go to if like people are looking for like, to be really thrilled by being uneasy. Uh, it's not from here actually. It's Wake and Fright. Oh yeah, and from Australia, <laughs> uh, and 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 um, and Kill List from the UK. And those are two movies that you know, unless you're a cinephile, you probably haven't haven't seen. Yeah, and I would say um, this is unused in a completely different way. <laughs> um, uh, Force majeure, uh-huh. and, and maybe the square too, which just came out. These are both super modern movies, but uh, but uh, that those are the most excruciating movies that are horrifying to a lot of people in in, in a social way, um, and uh, and. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would, yeah. I would say Ruben Oslin's works, yeah. Yeah, they're great, great <laughs> I haven't seen The Square yet. I'm really looking forward to it because Force Majeure was just a brilliant film. And Wake and Fright and Kill List are also really fantastic films. So, yeah, great suggestions there. Uh, look, guys, I really appreciate your time and really appreciate your, your films. I'm, you know, 
I won't badger you and say, you know, hurry up and make the next one. I'm, I'm, I respect the patience and the time that it takes to make uh, these kinds of films. It, it, it can't be easy to bang them out over a weekend or anything like that. So uh, in a couple of years' time, I'm looking forward to seeing what you do next. Yeah. I kind of want to have this conversation like tomorrow, a different movie drops of ours, and it's like a stupid Cloverfield movie. <laughs> Secret! <laughs> <laughs> just, just, it clearly wasn't ever supposed to be. Yeah, of course, made a terrible movie. Yeah. For some reason, they put Cloverfield on it, and yeah. or actually, just the, the Endless. Just like, actually, we're not releasing the Endless. Sorry, uh, something else has happened. It bumps a month, and then at the, the last Horizon shot is no longer birds. It's a, it's a tentacle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Endless Cloverfield. That that's Better. kind of what it feels like in some ways uh, with that series, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what you guys do next. So thank you again for your time and have a great evening as well. Awesome, thank you as well. Take care. Okay. So that is directors Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead talking about their film The Endless as well as talking about the connections that Endless has to their first film, Resolution, and talking about the creation of their previous film, Spring, as well. I highly recommend seeking out all three of their films. I haven't seen Resolution yet, but I will be jumping into it because I'm curious about the connections that it has to The Endless. But they are certainly some of the more unique and interesting directors working with genre today on a low budget. So please do seek out their work, especially when it's in cinemas. It's rare that we get to see such great uh, cinema and genre films getting a cinematic release in Australia. They need our support in that regard. And I need your support as well. So head over to Facebook and on Twitter as well to follow us there, AB Film Review, and head over to our website, abfilmreview.com. And if you want to go the extra step, like our fantastic supporters on Patreon have, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash abfilmreview. And a quick shout out to our Patreon subscribers. We've got Travis Johnson, who does fantastic work at Film Inc. Make sure to head over to filminc.com.au, read his great reviews over there. Uh, the Criterion Now website uh, podcast, which is a fantastic podcast, really highly recommend listening to that. Uh, Known Wells, who also does a really great podcast called You, Me and Empathy, really highly recommend seeking that out. The Yeager Day podcast, which is another great podcast on the Ozcast Network, uh, just like myself, and Simon Blackburn's show as well, the Apple Slice podcast, which talks all things Apple. And finally, Tim Lego, who is a great guy, a great supporter of podcasts around the world and of films all around the world as well. So huge shout out to those guys for supporting us on Patreon. And thank you very much again for listening to us. And we'll see you on the next episode of AB Film Review. Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox bringing us closer in Cox serviceable areas speeds vary and are not guaranteed Cox terms apply other restrictions may apply